0: unmute myself and do that again g'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the weekend wrap brought to you by crowcast of course our second edition of the pre-season and uh it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a crowcast weekend wrap without uh the inimitable the incomparable okay
1: After all those adjectives, i wonder what was going to come next but uh yeah no happy to be here mate
0: very good uh, it's uh, been an interesting week again. Uh, obviously, with the trial on Friday night, uh, giving us a bit of insight uh, into where we're at. Um, I don't know whether you went down or whether you watched it um, uh, on the telly, um, but uh, it was quite interesting.
1: Well, I watched it three times, and I've gone through it, and uh, I don't know what it really told us, and and because. It was, you know, like a mismatch in the first place with, you know, with the Blues versus the Yellows. And then they did after half time, mixed it a little bit. But um, I suppose it did tell us what players are in good form, what players are in reasonable form. And it also probably showed a couple up that you can say won't play for a while.
0: Yeah, very true. Um, I mean, first hit out, it's always difficult to really understand exactly what it means if anything um there were some good players ranking in a in a crows guernsey was a standout obviously and uh he's certainly looking like he's enjoying uh the new environment at west lakes um
1: well i thought we, well we enjoyed every moment of it and he it, it looked like he was too
0: 100 percent. yeah absolutely um you know, uh, a bit of a taste of what's to come, and we didn't really see him too much through the midfield. He spent most of his time up forward, Um, but uh, nonetheless, he showed just how dangerous he could be in those circumstances, and, um, you know, uh, it just leads to salivating a little bit, doesn't
1: it? I think that, uh, you know, I was really, very critical, perhaps we might have paid too much for Rankin, but... I think what we paid for him becomes irrelevant now. What we do know, we've got a damn good player on our hands. And, um, I mean, he, it doesn't matter whether he's in the centre or whether he's uh, around goals. His ability just to read where the ball's going is unbelievable. I mean, his reactions are so much quicker than everybody else's. That's he's got true. a start. He's a got.
0: Start. Um... He's got definite goal sense, he's got definite game sense And uh, he looks to be very switched on A couple of others I thought looked pretty good uh, Harry Schoenberg has stripped very fit Which uh, matches up with the pre-season um, info that we got a few weeks ago He looks to be hitting the ground running It was still a bit scratchy in terms of his disposal But uh, uh, a good start from Harry I thought he uh, he looked quite good
1: a few kilos less um, so he's obviously done done the work properly um, whether we can ever get his kicking up to uh, right up to par, I don't know that that's where he let himself down a few times but uh in terms of uh being a you know a true midfielder he's started to look like a true midfielder his ability at the center bounce was very good as well um, and uh, work around the ground was good and he looks a lot lot fitter. But um, if we could just get that disposal to be a hundred percent spot on, it'd be really damaging.
0: Yeah. Now Tracy's just saying that she uh, has had a bit of trouble with Discord. Um, All my meters seem to be right, Tracy, in terms of um, sound going into Discord. I don't know whether anyone else is having any problems with Discord, but um, I think it's okay. So I don't know whether you need to perhaps just restart. Um, And speaking of Discord, of course, um, welcome to everyone who's joined us. both on the live stage and also in the live show chat. As always, Maca uh, we're live and interactive. So uh, at any stage, I'm sure people have got some views in terms of uh, what they think uh, from Friday night. So please don't be shy. Get around the uh, live show chat. Put your hand up if you want to have something to say and we'll be happy to have you on during the course of the show. Um, Mac, uh, the other one I thought... Looked good in patches, was um, uh, Jake Saligo. I thought he looked pretty good, and also the young lad, um, Zach Taylor, uh, in patches, uh, showed that he, uh, he, there's something to work with there as well.
1: Yeah, look, I feel sorry for Saligo because, um, it looks like he might be the victim, um, so that Sloane can get a spot on the bloody wing, and um. Uh, he was mainly played on a half forward flank, but playing high, more high half forward flank. Saligo looked absolutely classy every time he got near the ball. And but um, it's to me, in some ways, it's going to ruin his development to some degree. Um, he did get a few turns in the centre, which was good. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, he he is a, a rising star, and uh, Sloane is a fading one. But it uh, looks like uh, Sloane's going to have that wing because uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't. No. You don't think so. No. Not well, at all. He, spent, he spent nearly all his time there, Fane. So yes, um, I
0: know. But there was two teams on the ground. Uh, Sloane won't start on the wing. I could almost guarantee you that. Um, you know, so he what did, did a couple. He, of, was, he did a couple of good things, uh, Sloane. But um, he looked hesitant at times. He had um, a burst. He
1: had one burst where he
0: was good. Yeah, uh, I don't. I think they'll run him up and down a wing. I think that's the Lego spot. Uh, Chase Jones uh, had a bit of a run there too. Mitch Hinge obviously had a bit of a run there too. Um, you know, if anything, they might rotate the three of them or the four of them um, through that area, but I don't think it's Sloan's
1: and Sloan's alone. You mentioned uh, Jones there, and uh, uh, disposal was a bit poor a couple of times, but I tell you what, he has uh, he's a lot more solid. And he's certainly given in very, very hard for the ball. And um, I actually thought he played a pretty reasonable game. He put his name out there to say, I'd like to be in the first 22 anyhow.
0: Well, and that's all we can ask for him. I mean, I think the time is well past to uh, start to keep on going about, you know, where he was taken in the draft and all that. I think it's really now just assessing the type of player that he is uh, and how we can utilise his skills. He's got some skills um, he's not bad by foot. He's extremely hard at it. He's a straight line player. He sometimes lacks a bit of situational awareness and a bit of game awareness. Um, but uh, he's certainly not the worst in the squad, Mac. And uh, you know, I'd be quite happy having him running off a back pocket or a half back flank. Um, I can see him taking Luke Brown's spot, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and every chance of that, in my opinion, um, I. I think he deserves. On, if he's going to play at that standard, he will certainly deserve a spot in the side. Um, somebody in the chat said uh, McHenry looked like the class of Rankin's Saligo, Rochelle... Michelle, sorry, Taylor, Pedler, uh, Teddy, Pedler uh, have gone past straight past McHenry, and that's true. I mean, seriously, um, playing in the yellow team, McHenry, it really showed up his deficiencies playing against the better team. Um, he wasn't able to well. He just looked like a little little scruffy try hard, but didn't, which didn't really do much.
0: Yeah, um, and that was always the, the question mark on Ned, wasn't it? Uh, whether he could step up in class, whether he could take his name to game to another level. Uh, we know what he brings. He brings, um, you know, effort and uh, tenacity and desperation. Um, but he he's not a goal sneak, Mac, and he doesn't. Um, doesn't have a long kick, and um, you know, I think if the game's going to develop, if our game plan is going to develop um, this season, then Ned needs to add a couple of strings to his bow, and I think he might have just been overtaken, as has probably Lockie Murphy as well. I think,
1: yeah, I think that also uh, stands true. He, Murphy didn't do much at all in playing in the yellow side as well when you're playing against a better team, so. Um, you know very hard for the boys in the yellow team. I'm not uh, uh dismissing that at all because you've got the best against the rest, but by the same token uh the ones that really stand out if they can do, if they can stand out when they're playing the better side, well then they've really got something to offer um Murphy uh no, I didn't see much of him all day uh and I will say and just a few spraggy little things, but uh I think both those two boys uh really going to be, well, they'll they'll, they'll be relying on injuries to get a game, I think.
0: Yeah, and look, that's where the squad needs to be, Macca. There needs to be blokes. We know that those blokes can come in and play a role if needs be, um, but they're not first 22 players, and that's a healthy position uh, for the squad to be. I've been doing a little bit of research um, for a little video that I'm going to be putting out on Tuesday um, with regards to squad development, and it's quite interesting to see of the past premiers uh, since I went back to about 2010, I think, uh, how the squad develops over time and uh, the the players that carry through the development of the squad. And you'd be surprised at how much turnover there is and how, how much list movement there is. And there's really, you know, from, you know, in a five-year period, um, a lot of the premiership sides have turned over 75% of their list. So, you know, these boys, uh, I'd almost put Ben Keys in a bit of that situation if he's not careful, uh, particularly if a bloke like Lukey Pedler comes on. Um, you know, it's starting to become a bit of a squeeze in that midfield with Rory Ladd being the uh, the senior head. Um, but Sam Berry and Harry Schoenberg and uh, Luke Pedler, uh, Jake Saligo, you know, these boys coming through now going to make it very hard for a bloke like Benny Keys to get a run through the midfield. Uh, so you'll see the squad evolve, I think. And um, so I'm not, I'm not disappointed that the, the likes of McHenry and uh, Murphy, uh, et cetera, are just being uh, pushed a little bit aside and, and finding it a little bit harder to break through because I think that's, that's where they're at, to be honest.
1: Yep, and you mentioned Keyes. Um, he wasn't an automatic uh, midfielder uh, as he has been in the past. And he was uh, sometimes he was on a wing, or, something, or sometimes he was in a half forward flank, and uh, yeah, he found life a lot more difficult than when he's roaming around on the ball unchecked. And um, so he's another one that could that could have troubles during the year. He would probably start off in the twenty two, but he's going to have to work it and work it out and get perform a little bit better than I thought he did on the weekend to uh, maintain it.
0: Yeah, well, they've got to have more than one string to their bow, Mac. And, yep. um, you know, we've got blokes now running through half-forward like Rankin and Rochelle who've got class about them. They know where the goals are. Um, they're good below their feet. They're they're adequate in the air. Um, you know, it, it's not an easy forward line to break into. Um, and if you're Ned McHenry or um, Lockie Murphy, there's not a lot of other spots that you can fill, really. They've been playing those high half-forward roles, but I think our game plan is going to evolve this year. Um, and I don't see us playing so high up the ground with those small forwards. So, um, yeah, I don't know whether there's necessarily a role for those um, fellas, uh, particularly as the game plan evolves.
1: Yep. Um, another another guy, uh, guy I thought really, really, really shone was Barry. I thought Barry was fantastic. He really he's looked a... like he, an a. he's a real A-grader now, isn't he? Yep,
0: he's an A-grader. He's... Um... You know, when he came into the side, there was a, a, a probably a query as to whether he was um, a bit one-dimensional, uh, whether he uh, was just a bullocking midfielder. But he's got that burst. He's got such a strong core, macro that he's able to carry the ball through congestion and uh, moves the ball forward. And when you compare him to someone like a uh, Matt Crouch, who was our uh, extractor in the past. Uh, You know, the ability for Sam to push through contests and to push through congestion and keep the ball free and move the ball forward compared to Matty Crouch sort of, um, you know, balking and going sideways or backwards, it's such a difference.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Matty Crouch. He wasn't absolutely hopeless on the weekend. Um, There were times when he actually did do what he should do when he got the ball, but And then, unfortunately, there were probably equal number of times when he had a relapse back to his old habit of uh, either sort of going backwards or if he had a mark or or a free, then in just standing and looking for ages before he did anything. So um, I can see him possibly getting a game with everybody, you know, with injuries, but not as a regular, no. I
0: I don't think he was too bad in general play. Um, around stoppage I didn't think he was that good and you're right um, sometimes with ball in hand he just seemed to you know have a a bit of the the old Matt Crouch a bit of the Jake Kellys about him where he didn't really know what to do and ended up you know with a nothing um, sideways kick Um, so no I mean he looks very fit Um, he did a bit of two way running which is good to see because that's been a bit of a knock knock on him at times but certainly, there are other. Pro- when you looked at how Sam moved the ball through congestion, when you looked about uh, at how Harry Schomburg moved the ball through the midfield, um, you know, irrespective of the fact that the disposal wasn't great um, as a first hit out, the intent was there, and I like the intent of those two boys better than someone like Matty Crouch.
1: Yeah, as I said, Crouch. He's I can see he might get a game during the year with, with injuries, but that's not going. He's not going to be a regular, no.
0: Well, the trouble with Matty Crouch-Macker is that there's only one position on the ground that he can play.
1: You know, his opportunities
0: are very limited. He can't play a wing. He can't play off half-back. He's not really a forward. Um, He can only really play as a midfielder and really only as an an extracting midfielder. And you would think that, uh, you know, both of Barry and Laird would have to go down for Matty to get a run. Um, you know, And that's not to say that his his game is still not evolving and that he can keep working on it. Um, he's certainly got the talent and the skill. Um, and he seems to be running on top of the ground, which is probably the most pleasing thing from my perspective that I saw from him. But he's got to get the confidence back to be able to move the ball forward.
1: Yeah, Dawson, outstanding, of course. I thought Dawson just makes the game look easy, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I was a bit disappointed how they used him, Macca. Um, You know, I understand his value as a quarterback, um, you know, through through defence and setting up play and all the rest of it, but he's so dangerous when he pushes up the ground and, and is playing through the midfield and sneaking forward. And I just feel like there's other players that can play that quarterback role in defence. Tom Diday can play that quarterback role in defence. There's a couple of others that can do it. Um, And I just... I I hope that's not what they've earmarked uh, the new captain to be doing because I just think it's a waste of resources.
1: Well, it's interesting that, you know, Hingewood's on the wing and uh, Dawson was at half-back. And um, you'd almost think that Dawson's going to play in the back lines this year the way that the, the game was played because every time there was a point kick, Dawson went back to take the ball as well. So...
0: Um, that's right, I and he it's... should be a connector, Mac He shouldn't be the one kicking out You know, if we haven't got another bloke That we can trust kicking out from goal Then
1: there's something wrong Well, I think, well, I think that might be the point say. If we don't have another one We can trust kicking out
0: Well, they need to develop someone Because that's a waste of Jordan Dawson He's kicking the ball out from defence He's not at the next contest Which is where we really want him to be Because that's where he can be most dangerous
1: Oh, look, look, he's good wherever he is, let's face it, he's good wherever he is, but what you're saying is more damaging if he can be further up the ground and become an attacking weapon rather than a clearing weapon.
0: Well, yeah, it's maximising the use of your resources, in my opinion, and Jordan will, you know, he'll rack up 30 touches a game playing off half-back, but is it going to turn into scoreboard? That's that's what I wonder. You know, is it just going to be a bit like last year where the ball just kept bouncing back? Um, and yes, I know we seem to be looking a little bit better up forward, uh, but the simple fact is that if he's playing so deep in defence, he's not the one kicking the ball into our forwards, which is where I'd like to see him.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the comments in the chat is that, that our defence isn't that good, and that that'll be one of the reasons why he's playing back there. I half agree with that comment, but we're not. We're not at this stage a hundred percent. Lock down uh, where we would like to be in defence, mm. and I think that's the reason why he's there. I, I, I think that um, say that somebody like Keane Keen comes along during the year and actually can actually hold down a spot, which I think will happen about halfway during the year. I can see once keane has got some games under his belt, I think he's got attributes that I liked. Um, we didn't see a lot of him, but, but when, I, when he did do something, I did I did like it. Um, so I think that Dawson will definitely start in defence. Maybe he'll work his way up as the year goes on.
0: The, the point about our defence not being um, you know 100% yet, it, it harkens back to what we were talking about last week, Maka. If we're going to change our game plan and become more aggressive and more attacking, and we saw the way we moved the ball, um, we were certainly hitting up players more and there was more possession... Um, in transition, uh, which I really liked but we cannot continue to have another season where we just protect the downside. And to me having Jordan Dawson in defense because our defense isn't good enough is just it's risk aversion and we've got 450 players that can play half back and we need to find out whether those players are good enough to play half back. you know Josh Worrell, Tom didday, uh, Patrick Parnell, Brody Smith, um, Wayne Miller, um, who should be good enough to take kickouts and should be good enough to be that first player out of defence. Uh, you mentioned Keane as well now. Uh, we've got a ton of players that can play back there. Uh, Chase Jones is another. Um, we have to find out. We cannot, we cannot continue to protect the scoreboard to minimise uh, losses at the expense of developing our squad, in my opinion, it'll be it'll be a real negative to me if that's what happens.
1: Well, I think we'll start off that way, P, But I, I think that as uh, and I do think the keen is one of the answers uh, back there because um, I think for a guy that's been here thirty minutes, you know, he, he did very very well for that for that time. Um, if he can uh, play that role back there, that just gives it a lot more solidity back there, and Dawson can move up. The other thing too, of course, is I think that Hinge and Dawson are interchangeable in my opinion.
0: Well, yeah, I mean I would I would reverse those roles and I I said that last year as well. I found it a bit strange. Um I think Hinge is a natural halfback flanker actually, it attacks the ball really well in the air. Um, you know, has is good by foot, <clears throat> can break a line. Um seems to be the prototype halfback flanker if you ask me. Um, but uh, they prefer him on the wing. Uh, I think um, Mitch pres- uh, prefers it on the wing as well. Um, but I- I'm with you, Mac on that one. I, I would swap them.
1: Yep, and the one who played pretty well, I thought, was Hamill. I thought Hamill showed um, a fair bit of dash off the half back flank.
0: Uh, yep, he did. He did. And again, another bloke who can who can uh, who can break a line. And and I guess this is my point. Um, Mac, that we 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 are spoilt for choice in that regard, and um you know we need to we need to give um, Hamill and and those boats a run at it and see if they can make those positions their own, rather than just taking the easy option. How did you see Miller's game? I thought it was pretty average, but I'm just not like, and he had a few mates, I think. Um but it's a pre-season intra club trial, macker. You know what they are like. Um, the skills are usually horrific. Um, the opposition know exactly wh- what you're going to do, so they they can they can put themselves exactly where they need to put you, which means that the game becomes quite congested. Um, we saw the coaches, um, you know, manipulate things a little bit um, and try at certain scenarios. So it's not a true reflection. Um, so, I'm willing to give most players a pass. Uh, but there were certainly a couple of players, and, and Junior was one of them, that
1: hopefully will be better for the run. I hope so, because I, I was actually. He, did, he had moments, but the moments were when he was generally on his own and they, and they kicked the ball out to him on his own. Um, didn't see a lot of him in congestion at all.
0: No. um and, you know, we've spoken about players like that. Lucky Shoal's another one, uh, although I thought Shoal um, wasn't too bad. Um,
1: he actually played well, Fien. I went back and had a look at He had a lot of the ball.
0: Yep. And, um, you know, those outside players, that's fine, as long as they don't squib when it's their turn to go. Um, um, I don't think Miller really squibs, although he can be a little bit tentative at times. But... Um, yeah, they need to maximise their weapons, and for both Miller and Lockie Shoal, it's it's disposal, uh, and it's constructive disposal. They need to be cutting up, cutting through zones, and 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 breaking lines, and and uh, you know getting some uh, getting some penetration um, with their disposal. So, you know, if Junior comes on and uh, and or Lockie, um, you know. Ramps up his form a bit, then they're very handy players on the outside.
1: Yeah, I also thought Murray was pretty reasonable. Um, he's big and strong, and um, he burst through quite a few times. I thought that he looked reasonably good.
0: Yeah, I, what you see is what you get with with Muzz. Um, you know, I asked Elliot Himmelberg during the week whether he whether he you know softens it down at training, and he said no. He's a hundred miles an hour at training and you just try not to get in front of him too often. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a bit of a fan. I know there's a lot of knocks on him in terms of his disposal and it's sometimes his decision-making. I think he's a good old-fashioned defender. Uh, I think he tries his guts out. And uh, what I like the most about him is he's probably, I would say, pound for pound, our best aerial contester in the whole squad
1: yeah and he doesn't mind bashing into people either pain you know with his body when he's in there he's a he's a weapon and well, uh, I, the thing is I'd he doesn't he can take
0: he, sorry he can take a specky but he can also kill a contest uh, and we don't have many players forward back or anywhere else that can do that he's one of the few that can do that uh, he can kill a contest he can hurt opposition he can take a big mark um, and you know, uh, I I place a bit of value on that, particularly as a defender.
1: Yeah, I had a few listed down for disappointment scene, and uh you just tell me what you think about those. Um, like Keynes Keynes we have discussed, and I I didn't think his game was that meritorious. Um we mentioned Jones and Crouch. Haitley, he he had his moments but um course he was on the losing side which makes it hard not much there I thought Philport was disappointing
0: um just back backtracking I think Jack's going to find it hard to be honest with you um he uh he's got a lot of good good attributes but uh the ones that he's not so good at are, are quite damaging in terms of his lack of pace um you know his disposal at times uh Intensity, I guess. Um, So, yeah, it it wasn't the kind of performance from Jackson that's going to put his name up in lights in terms of first round selection. Uh, Riley Thill thought, yeah, patchy. Um, I thought he was. I I thought he lacked intensity in rucking contests and also aerial contests. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought Riley O'Brien monstered him whenever they were together. Um, Yeah. Uh but I I've, look, you know he's he's a kid, Mac. He's a kid. A two hundred centimetre kid.
1: Yeah, no, I understand that. Um I probably did expect just a little bit more, but um uh no you're quite right, O'Brien did monster, him, no doubt about that. Um I thought Pedler was half reasonable, um and he no, had some good moments.
0: I thought Ped Peds was more than half reasonable. I thought he showed quite a bit. Um, and he's only going to get better if he can if he can get a run at it and stay in the park and get his fitness up um, then uh, I think he's going to be a weapon um, uh, Elliot Himmelberg, I was disappointed with Elliot uh, same sort of um, thoughts about Elliot that I had about um, Riley to be honest um, you know the rest of our forward line looked okay Texan Fog and Patches looked okay um you know, what I what I really liked overall was our movement into the forward 50. You know, I halved on that all last year, macca in terms of the depth of our entries and the, the fact that we were just kicking high ball uh, to contests that we were never going to win. Uh, I didn't see a huge amount of that. I saw a lot of drop in the eyes, and I threw a lot of 25-metre chip passes to about 40 metres out, which I really liked. Mm,
1: yep, I think that's a fair comment. Um it's obviously, that that is the plan, that is to blow uh, the ice and try and get the, you know, the 20, 30 metre pass onto somebody's chest. There's no doubt about that. But that, that was one of our faults for, really for the last two years, just bombing it into the forward line and just rebounding back out again.
0: Well, I mean, and again, Mac, if you remember my analysis, a lot of that was due to where we were actually launching our forward 50 entries from last year. And yeah. often it was from, you know, centre or thereabouts, you know, around that behind. 75 metres out uh, sort of thing where we'd get it to about the 45 metre mark with a high ball. If you notice, a lot of the entries into forward 50 on Friday night were actually from about 60 out, and they were more considered in terms of they were looking for a pass or looking for an option. Um, they weren't just high bombs. So I think... Th- what we saw was probably the consequence of two things first of all we were carrying the ball further up the ground before we went f- into our forward fifty and second when we went forward often we when we went into our forward fifty often we were lowering the eyes and looking for a t- leading target or at least putting it to the advantage of a bloke rather than just sitting on top of bloke's heads
1: yeah um one other guy that didn't uh, stand out where he stood out for not doing very much was uh, Hillberg, but in fairness to him he was tried in the back lines and he was tied in the ruck and I don't think either of those two are, are his position.
0: Well he played juniors in the back lines Mac um, before Me? he got to us. didn't yeah. know that. half back. Um, he obviously didn't listen to our interview on Tuesday but that's okay. Um, I we, did actually. Oh uh, well, you must have missed that bit.
1: <laughs> Probably went to sleep. Oh,
0: wow. Sorry, you're breaking up, mate. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, in my discussion with Elliot, he much prefers to play forward, but he did say that he's prepared to play wherever he can to get a game. Um, I just think he's a confidence player, Macca. Um, I was watching a few highlights over the weekend that included Matthew Robin and I've always thought that Elliot Himmelberg... Could be that guy for us. He's never going to dominate a game, but he has an impact—sometimes an intangible impact—on our the way we move the ball. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, it, well, it, he's an interesting character because it, when he plays, he was played up forward last year at times. At times, in fact, ironically, I think we we won a lot more games when he was up at the full forward than when he wasn't.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's an interesting one. And i just reminded of the people in the live studio that if you want to have your say and pass on your opinions, uh, please go ahead and stick your hand up. We'd love to have you on board. Um, yeah, uh, Berg has always been that kind of bloke. He, you know, you, you're you waiting for him to take the next step. He's, he admitted to us on on Tuesday that he, um, he was looking for more um, consistency. He was looking to uh He sees himself as um one of the more senior players in the squad now he's twenty five been on, in the squad for six years um you know he he wants to take the next step he wants to be consistent be a consistent contributor um and you know lead by example so the attitudes there um you know he's just gotta he's just gotta put it together
1: now yep it's a question of where, where his spot is, if there is a spot for him. That's the, the real question.
0: Look, I think, I, I, I honestly think that there's, a, there's an opportunity for a three-way rotation between uh, Berg, Thilthorpe and O'Brien with Berg and Thilthorpe predominantly up forward and O'Brien predominantly in the ruck but switching around every, every so often. Um, particularly now that there's an extra bloke on the bench this year and we've got the medical sub, so we've got, what, 25 on the bench now plus 93 medical subs or something or other? I don't know how much. Uh, it, what is it, five I, on the bench now plus a sub? Is that what it is now? I don't think
1: they're... Uh, I don't know bloody what it is. I think it's just a. there's no medical sub. It's just a sub, isn't
0: it? Well, it's something like that, but it's five and a sub, I think. Five and a sub or four and a
1: sub? I don't it's a lot. There's
0: enough room for a bloody ruckman on the bench. Well,
1: I think I think it's forward or sub thing. Well,
0: there's enough room for a ruckman on the bench,
1: particularly if it's a ruck forward. Well, I mean, every game will be different, of course. It depends who you're playing against.
0: Mm. Anyway,
1: um, you know, so...
0: You know, I guess you take from it whatever you, you... take the positives from a game like that and you'd kind of um, not gloss over the negatives, but you'd prepare to give it a, a bit more time. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, you know, the skills are always going to be average uh, under those circumstances. Uh, a lot of the other games that were played, trial games, were similarly average in terms of skill. Um, so uh, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about there. But... Um, I guess, Mac, apart from the forward entry movement, did you see anything else that stood out to you as maybe uh, something a little bit different to what we have seen from the crows in the past?
1: Not really. Um, I I can't think of anything different. The the one thing which did stand out was the fact that they tried to lower their eyes and do the 25-metre pass or 30-metre pass where possible, um, or in one case where they kicked it long over the top so Rankin could run onto it. So uh, better, a little bit better usage of the ball going forward, but I can't, I couldn't see much else different in the game.
0: Yeah, I can see a little bit of Joe the Goose happening this year. I can see our forwards pushing up and, and leaving a paddock, uh, a bit of Pagan's paddock going on there for Isaac or Josh Rosselli or someone to run on. Um, one person we didn't speak of, by the way, is Shane McCann. I thought he played quite well, and it absolutely absolutely got destroyed by the coaches blowing the whistle to change things up just as he was mid air for a massive hang just after like just about 5 minutes into the third
1: quarter he took a beautiful yeah. hang and and the game had stopped yeah, yes, sir. but um there was also uh the young lad the um he's going to be a he's non-baller um I'm struggling for your name. He's very very good at darting backwards and forwards and twisting and turning. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, yeah. I thought that he showed glimpses. I mean, he might not be quite ready yet, but uh, he will play AFL footy, there's no doubt about that. I think
0: so. I mentioned him at the beginning and uh, happy to expand on, on it. I thought um, all he's got to do, I think, is... Um, is build up a little bit of a bit of a frame Macker, okay? because obviously he's not the tallest bloke going around, um, so he's going to build, have to build a little bit of a frame. But I would like he's certainly a footballer, certainly a footballer.
1: And dance around, can't he?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I like yeah, I, I liked him. Um, you, you know, we got glimpses from the Irishman that I thought were really good. Um, I thought I think that he will end up in our best twenty-two by the end of the season. Um, he's just got to, you know, probably get some fitness up and he looked a little bit chubby to me, but um, he certainly plays with the signature aggression and, and straight line sort of attitude that the Irishmen do.
1: Have you ever thought of getting him on for an interview and perhaps need an interpreter as well, Pete?
0: Well, I don't get to choose, unfortunately, Macca, but I'm sure that if it, they if we do get him on that I will need someone. I'll need captions, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
1: Uh, seriously, um, I've heard him on the radio, and that's why I made the comment. Because he's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit hard to understand, but um, I do like him. I do, you know. When once he's got that big frame a little bit further, and he's a massive frame, massive. He's a big frame. boy, isn't he? yeah, and yeah, but he's got reasonably good pace too to go with it. So uh, I've got no doubt that by by the mid 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 year at the latest, he'll be in our side.
0: Yeah. And, you know, most people know, but a reminder that those that don't, he was on the verge of breaking into the Collingwood team just before COVID and obviously had to go back um, due to homesickness and the lockdowns and all that sort of palaver. But, uh, you know, he'd progressed really well through the Collingwood system and, uh, you know, had played a few games and was probably going to be in their best 22. So we've scored a pretty yep. good player there.
1: Yeah. no. I- they, they they were they were pretty shitty that they, that we landed him and they didn't get him back. Yeah, yeah.
0: So a, a coup for us there. Um, you know, <clears throat> Riley O'Brien and Ruck I didn't think was fantastic. Uh, didn't see a lot of marking around the ground. Uh, thought his tap work was okay considering he wasn't getting a lot of opposition. Um, seemed to be a little bit a little bit more structure in those setups um, though, Macker in terms of getting the ball to the advantage. Um, so, if that's an outcome, then that's a positive outcome because that was our big knock on Riley last year that he'd get a thousand taps. But, you know, his taps to advantage would be like 10%. He's
1: no better, though, is he?
0: No, he's never going to win any sort of graceful award <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> no. You know, but but, he, but here's the thing, you know, there have been ruckmen around that we could have got and the argument is oh you don't spin at a Ruckman you don't spin a Ruckman well you can't have it both ways right you either get an A grade Ruckman who is just a large on baller like Riley Thilthorpe I think will be or you have Riley O'Brien who's a who's an average footballer who's tall who's strong uh, and who can tap the ball and my knock on Riley has always been or my, my thing with Riley has always been he gives us most value when he's taking marks around the ground. When he's not taking marks around the ground, he's pretty much useless. Um, and that was where I felt he lacked last year. His 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 presence around the ground and his productivity around the ground really dropped off. Uh, whether that's through hard work or he's carrying injury, I'm not sure, but I'd like to see that improve.
1: Can't argue that, point?
0: So, you know, Kieran Strawn didn't do a hell of a lot. Um, the other two we've already spoken about. So, you know, Ruck's still a little bit of an issue. Um, but to me, Maka, I mean, when you look at the blokes running around and the, you look at the blokes that were running around in the yellow team, the, the the second, particularly at the beginning, which probably gave you an idea of who was most in favour... Um, you know, there's a lot of good building blocks there. I, I'd say we've got a top five forward line talent-wise now, easily, easily talent-wise top five in the competition.
1: Yeah, the forward, our forward line is is definitely our best section of the, on the ground. There's no doubt about that. You know, Tex Fogarty, Shane McAdam,
0: uh, Lucky Glance sometimes Joshua Shelley, Isaac Rankin, a bit of Berg, a little bit of Himmelberg. You know, maybe a bit of Benny Keys running through there. Um, a little bit of Saligo. A bit of Saligo. You know, there's there's a lot of talent there. A lot of talent. So, and our midfield um, is developing. I think there's slowly a changing of the guard. Uh, I'm so pleased to see Harry strip fitter this, this season, and I hope you can realise his potential. Um, you know, Sam Berry, as you spoke about, just goes from strength to strength and will be an elite midfielder in the competition, in my opinion. Rory Laird just keeps on keeping on. Um... And, you know, there's a couple of others on the outskirts that are starting to push through, Saligo and and Taylor and that. I still think we're probably one short in class in the mids. uh, Whether Luke Pedler ends up being that bloke, I'm not sure, Mac.
1: Not sure that he'll be a mid, I think. Um, He'll be a mid. He'll have to get a lot fitter than he is now to do that, of course.
0: Well, he won't get a game as a forward.
1: Well, he played most of his game as a forward.
0: Macca we just went through the forward line where are you going to play him on top of the goalpost? post like there's no room for him there's no room for him
1: well the old rotator with the extra sub and all that that you were talking about
0: <laughs> we already named about nine forwards so I he, he's I I agree he's been playing forward but he is a midfielder we re- you can't tell me that we spent pick 10 on another bloody forward He's a midfielder. We picked him as a midfielder.
1: We picked six on a bloke that can't play. <laughs> I know.
0: Let's not go there. Um, I, I, look, I think if if, if Pedler doesn't make it as a midfielder, it's a failed pick, in my opinion.
1: Well, you know, as I said in the chat, quite rightly, he has been training as a forward all season so far, I think. I'm not saying that he won't ultimately become a, a midfielder. But this year, I think the challenge, because he's had troubles with his body, etc., I think the idea with him fit is just to play him in the forward line and uh, build his confidence and build his game up, and then he may well go into the midfield next year.
0: Most likely, um, but I'll repeat, if Luke Pedler doesn't
1: make it as a midfielder, he's a failed pick. Uh, Well, as PJ Crowes says, he kicks 30 goals a year, he's not. Yeah,
0: but how many top end we've we've got? Isaac Rankin, we spent pick five on. We've got Joshua Shelley that we picked. Uh, that we spent a top pick on. You're, you're telling me now Luke Pedler as well as a top end pick. That's three top end picks that we've used on small forwards.
1: Well, then we would have a bloody good forward line then.
0: Which is no use to anyone if we can't get the ball down there. <laughs>
1: No, look. I honestly think that this year, the uh, and the fact, that the way he's been used in uh, the preseason, the way he got used on the weekend, he's basically been used as he'll get maybe a little turn in the in the midfield, but he'll he'll be primarily a forward.
0: I did hear you, and I repeat, if he ends up being okay. nothing more than a small forward, it's a wasted pick.
1: I will tell, man. I will tell
0: um so i think we've pretty much covered it um didn't see a lot of tyler brown um it didn't really stand out at all um of the other lads bond did one or two things um got a bit of a brown feeling it. about got a bit of feeling about bond i reckon he might come through put him in the back
1: pocket he was me they played yeah. him in the back pocket yeah i know uh, strong boy he did a couple of nice things back in Tyler Brown did he did two dice clearances from the center. Um but uh, didn't see a lot of him apart from that.
0: No. Uh Nan Curvis uh had a had a few moments, wasn't the worst. Didn't see a lot from Ben Dowling, um, but you know, that's to be expected. Step up in class. Billy Dowling. Uh Billy Dowling, sorry. Uh, you know, um Lockie Gallant wasn't too bad. Um,
1: yeah, limited limited opportunities, of course. Yeah, Braden Cook
0: didn't play. Um, so Andy McPherson obviously didn't play. I don't think. Um, no, he so didn't yeah. play. No. So yeah, you know, I mean, it, Parnell. It wasn't too, Parnell. Uh, Parnell was. I, I'm not a. Big, I'm not a big fan of Parnell.
1: I'm not either thing. Um, I don't see I, what I, all the I, fuss is about. I I actually think I prefer Jones in the back pocket before Parnell.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. But we both like hard players.
1: Yeah, we do. Not, said, I I, no
0: the, I should qualify that. I don't think Parnell's a soft player. He runs straight lines as well, but he's just so damn light.
1: And uh Michelinie did a Michelinie did a couple of things, but you know oh, yeah. uh, he's got a, his body's gotta grow into a lot bigger and stronger before he'll be playing.
0: Yeah, well, he was running around with Rankin it for a while there, and I think uh, that was a little bit of a baptism of fire for for the lad. Um, he looks taller on the ground than what I thought he was, Mac.
1: He's a reasonable size. He's a, he is a reasonable size. He'll he'll probably take Duda's place when he nicks off at the end of the year.
0: He looks taller than that. I wonder uh, if he'll develop into a key position player. Just to my eye, he—I just looked at him. And I thought, "Geez, you look a lot taller than what I than what I pictured you."
1: He is a good size, no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, so uh, interesting to see how he develops. He's certainly not best twenty-two right now, but uh, you could you see enough that you know he's got a football brain and he's got a good pedigree. So uh, hopefully, he has a good run in the twos and starts pushing up. Uh Josh Worrell, I thought, looked a little bit rusty early but did a couple of good things later on. Um,
1: so, you know, it was what it was, really. Did Worrell actually play? Yeah, he did. I can't remember seeing him, P. Yeah, he did a couple of things. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just don't remember... That. In look in the chat, they actually saying they thought that Phil Thorpe was the worst player um, for the Crows, and look, I was very disappointed in his game. I was really disappointed. He looked like he's lost in not knowing where what he where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to be doing.
0: What do you want me to say to that? He's a kid. Just, just it's only a comment I mean you, you cannot be disappointed with the, with the third like the beginning of the third season of a kid who's not he's not even 20 yet he's 200 centimeters he hasn't grown into his body um, he's got all the skills you ever want. He's obviously finding his way in terms of positioning and and you know understanding his strength and all that sort of stuff. We shouldn't even be talking about Riley
1: Thilthorpe.
0: We should not even be talking about him.
1: Well, you know, you you have to call it as you see it, thing And um, and I know what you're, everything you're saying is true. I'm not disagreeing with anything of that. But by the same token, I I just thought that he would have been just a bit better than that. Yeah, time will tell. That's only one game.
0: So name me another two hundred centimetre, twenty year old that was consistently good in their second, third season.
1: Oh, God, I, you'd have to allow me time to look through all the teams for, for that, mate.
0: Well, Logan McDonald, someone says Logan McDonald in the chat. Logan McDonald was out of the side for a long time with Sydney and has had one or two good games, but I could, you can't say that he's looked okay. You can't say that he seems to be going okay.
1: Uh, he's, he struggled a little bit. Uh, last year, though, towards the end of the year, he started to look like he belonged. Um, well, so did Riley, didn't...
0: remember? So did Riley. The last three or four games that Riley played, he was attacking the ball really well.
1: Yeah, look, maybe, maybe it takes the taller players longer. I don't know. But um, anyhow, um, I'd like to see Phil for just play up to these capabilities, I'm sure his capabilities are much more than what we're seeing, Dean. See? Well, his capabilities it...
0: will be what they what they be. I just I just feel like we need to lay off the kid because yeah, I think he's more he's still... I think... Well, maybe it is, maybe it is. But you know, if everyone starts dumping high expectations on him in his at the beginning of his third year, um, when the lad's not even twenty then do you think that's going to do much good for his mental um, you know, mental uh, preparation and his confidence?
1: Look, it's a very hard life being a high draft pick, and particularly when you're a all I mean, Jack Watts, for example, experienced that that situation as well. Yeah, Jack, played Watts him that,
0: Jack Watts wasn't that good.
1: No, but they played him too early out of, and out of position when in, in he first game and uh, I think that sort of done him for the rest of his career. Um, but... Uh, I think, you know, I accept that uh, taller blokes take more time to come on and uh, I think that Phil Thorpe has got so much natural ability that at the moment I think his only enemy is himself that he's not 100% believing in himself at the moment.
0: Well, the simple fact that you can recognise the amount of ability that he's got tells me that he's done enough things in his first couple of seasons of footy for us to be quietly confident that he's going to turn into a really good player for us.
1: I oh, yeah. I think long term he will. Yeah.
0: Well then well then what's the problem?
1: I'd like it to be now. Yeah, well I'd like to have a Ferrari. Like you. <laughs> I haven't got
0: a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um okay, so that we've pretty much done the the trial to death. Obviously next week we go over to Western Australia and we play both the Perth teams over there. Um I think the Fremantle one is a six-quarter game that everyone gets a run, but I think the West Coast one is much more of a... uh, I think we'll see who likely will be starting 22 or 23 or however many it is now uh, in that West Coast game next weekend.
1: Yeah, look, the uh, first game against Frio is a friendly, if you want to put it that way. It's Six uh, six quarters, isn't it? Yeah, six quarters and uh, Rafferty's rules in terms of who you know who you who you put on and who you take off. So they're not. It's not um, an AFL game. It's it's a, it's a it's a scratch match type of game arranged with Uh, range of, uh, trio. uh yep. The West Coast one will be uh, is an AFL uh, prescribed uh, trial match, and everything goes under AFL rules for that one. Yep.
0: And then we get a week's break, and then we're into it. Is that right? That's about right, isn't it?
1: I know, I know. I'm working feverishly on my dream team at the moment. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, and and that's a good segue, Mac. Just a a reminder to everyone that uh, if you want to be part of the Crowcast uh, Fantasy Footy League, um, the links are in the, um, what's the channel called on Discord? Um, Fantasy and Tipping under the competitions bit there. Go in there, find your link, make a team, get around it. Uh, I still don't think they've released the tipping um uh, thing yet. Um so um, um
1: on the AFL site. The the ESPN tipping thing?
0: No, AFL tipping.
1: I don't, know. I, don't um, I
0: don't think it's up and running yet. Um but that's okay. Uh, keep your eyes out. As soon as we uh as soon as that's up and about, we'll uh, put the links in as well. Um, and okay. don't forget too that uh, we're doing our monthly T-shirt giveaway, so click the link that's in the monthly giveaway channel if you would like to get. Maka, show us your T-shirt.
1: Well, actually, uh, plain actually doesn't have this particular. There part. you
0: go. There you go. Look at that.
1: There. That's a there. that's
0: a one of a kind that yep. people can actually get from the. Uh, the merch shop if anyone wants to go and buy some merch uh, just go to aflcrowcast.com and go to the merch bit and you'll be able to see all the stuff we got there Uh, and one of the things that we've got there is that t-shirt now i don't think we'll be giving that one away Macca, in our february t-shirt giveaway Uh, it might be the one without Macca the legend but here's the thing that people don't realize whoever the winner is gets to personalize the same as what you just did so yours says Mac of the Legend. Maca is wins... a legend. Oh, yeah, but the, hang on, I mean, hang on, wait a minute.
1: Think... Oh, you're right, Mac of the Legend. <laughs> it's Mac of the Legend.
0: I know, um, but whoever wins the uh, t-shirt giveaway will have the opportunity to per- have some personalisation on their t-shirt as well. Um, so that's just a, a little added thing. Um, So if you want to be a part of that, we'll be doing one of those every month. So uh, just have a look at the monthly giveaway channel for the link. Um, All right, that's enough of gratuitous plugs. Um, Matt, we had the release of the remainder of the leadership um, group announced during the week. And the noticeable absentee that I saw was no Rory Laird, which really surprised me.
1: Uh Well I think that's a fair comment actually because I mean the way that Rory bust his guts in the midfield and and has uh but I think he's won is it two of the last three best and fairest as well? Yep. Um I I I've Uh, 90-90 crazy he's never been a leader and doesn't want to be one well that might be right but he certainly does lead by example and it is an interesting fact that sometimes your better players aren't necessarily a good leader either in terms of having that uh, inspirational character to actually inspire others to go you know to do better than they they are Uh, Dawson was apparently chosen as a captain really during last year because of the way that as the game was going along, he just naturally was inspiring the players around him to do this and to do that, and so uh, he was showing the leadership qualities without being the captain at the time and uh, that and leadership is a is a thing that either comes naturally to you or sometimes some players just can 't do it and, and it's probably best left alone so you know it might be just a good thing to leave lady alone because he 's playing bloody good football um, do they well day was sort of thinking he was going to be the, the next captain. So that's him and uh the senior and who's the other one? O'Brien, is that right?
0: And Ben Keys.
1: Uh, well yeah. That's a little bit tious when you've got a guy that might struggle for a spot at some stage in the year. And so um look
0: Look, I must admit I'm not enamored with it with the leadership group, Macca. I'm not enamoured with it at all.
1: Yours would have been what?
0: Well, I wouldn't have Raleigh O'Brien in there. And I wouldn't have had Benny Keys in there. I would have had Rory Laird in there unless he really, really didn't want to be there. And I would have had one of the young fellas in there, probably Sam Berry.
1: Too early for Sam. Um, no, it's not. I think
0: yet- not to be in a leadership group. No, it's not. No, it's not. It, it doesn't mean anything apart from... Because what we've found in the past, and and I've got no inkling about what the culture is like down there right at this very second, and we know that it's been overhauled and all the rest of it, but what the Crows have suffered from in the past is a disconnect between the seniors and the juniors, right? That's been a big knock. It was one of the big problems that we had in 2017 is a disconnect between the senior players and the young lads, right? You're right. Yeah, you're right and what better way to have a connection from between your leadership group to all areas of of your list of your squad is to have someone representing the younger lads on there and i couldn't think of a better bloke than Sam Barry to be on there
1: look your logic's very good and um i don't think he will be probably in the future uh but uh club's a very conservative thing and um Look, I think you're quite right about you're saying about the connect between the senior players and the junior players. I think that's very important, and 2017 showed that up dramatically. Um, look, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have, have Samberry there. I agree with you. Um, uh, Smith, the uh, question mark, key to the huge question mark. So, yeah, if Samberry was there and certainly in place in one of those, I, I certainly wouldn't be upset. O'Brien, I'm not surprised that O'Brien's there, though. But he's, he may not, well, he's not the most talented person on earth, but in terms of absolutely effort and um, example of of just sheer effort, I think he's good in that respect.
0: I hundred percent disagree. He got dropped twice last year for a lack of effort, maka.
1: lack of effort or ability. effort, effort.
0: It was effort that they wanted to see. get into contests. That's what they wanted to see. Remember, he went back and, made, and got a forty-touch game in the in the twos, but what we weren't seeing from him in the ones was effort.
1: So I disagree with you on that one. Uh, Riley well, is also Riley also. Not, I'm not going to fight uh, you for it because he's
0: not worth fighting for. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, like, let's 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 like let's be true here with what we're saying. Riley O'Brien is also a little bit aloof. And, you know, uh, uh connects more with the more intellectual um area of, of the list, which I'd suggest <laughs> it would be a fairly small group. <laughs> <How> many, <laughs> him, it, it'd be him and Nathan Van Berlo and maybe I don't know. It's not even how many things.
1: fingers you not it's not even how many fingers you got, it's so how many thumbs you got. <laughs> that, <laughs> that that group.
0: You know, and Brodie uh, Smith, Brody Smith, and Ben Keys may not be in the side by the end of the season.
1: Uh well, look, he could be right. It's not. Look, after after uh, Dawson and after Dude it's, it's not a strong leadership group. I agree.
0: Well, and from what we heard today, Macca, uh, Tom's got some work to do on his leadership skills as well, <laughs> and well, his that, and, yeah. and his effort on that, the track. Well, that really surprised me. That one.
1: That was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, um, fairly, fairly confident with to the speak. source, though. I'd mm, better speak to him to uh, lift his game.
0: Yeah, fairly confident in the source. Uh, that, um, uh, and look, Elliot said uh, inadvertently in his interview with us that there was a player vote for the captaincy and it was a resounding win to Geordie Dawson. Now, considering that Tom Diday has been the touted next leader for quite some years and um, didn't get near it, basically. That tells you
1: something. All right. yeah, they're wanting to know in the chat what's going on. Look, it's very simple thing. You tell them.
0: Oh, we just got a, a little word that uh, uh, perhaps um, there was some feedback given um, that a certain person needed to um, practice what he preached in terms of uh, commitment on the track. And maybe his delivery needed some work in terms of how he related to people. Um, look, and it's only third-party scutterbuck. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Tom as a person, who, every time I've heard from uh, Tom, he seems like a a very uh, classy, you know, smart individual. So I wouldn't have a clue. But that's that's what passed our desk, wasn't it,
1: Mac? Yep, yeah, that's what the word is, and. Uh... You know, sometimes the word is right and sometimes it's wrong. But, again, you know, we can only just say what we've heard.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the Pandora's box opens. It, it, the door is a little bit ajar now with regards to uh, the fact that Tom's uh, restricted free agent at the end of the season is obviously uh, born not far away from uh, danger down at, I think, uh, dude, I was it Lara, wasn't he, I think? Yep, um, yeah, that's it. So you know, and uh, we know Geelong don't mind bringing a an old Geelong boy home. So uh, oh, look, I've got a lot of time for Tom today as a player. I don't know him as a person, but I've, as a player, I've got a lot of time for him. I feel like he played under duress last year, and I think people forget how good he was pre ACL.
1: And uh, he was, I, I, th- I he think he'd very be good. a
0: loss. I think he'd be a big loss, to be honest with
1: you. Of course he's going to be a great loss and uh, I I hope he has a great season and we get a first rounder for him. Well, I'd rather keep him.
0: I'd rather keep him.
1: Well, I would too, but but, uh, it's up to him, isn't it? I mean, at this stage, he hasn't signed his contract and he's pushing it towards the end of the year. And in fact, you would think that just going by the statements that he made in that uh, interview with 5AA that he actually Dangerfield passed in the notes of what he said at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it's
0: actually... Because Danger's in charge of the AFLPA now, so I think it's on their website. <laughs> I think you just download the template. This, yeah, is you, this is what you say when you want to delay your contract talks.
1: It was just about word for word what Dangerfield said. Just about word <laughs> for word.
0: Yeah, no, look, I mean, look, I probably a 50-50, I reckon. Uh, the fact that he's been put in the leadership group uh, tells you that um, the club want him involved at that level. Um, you know, we're told that he was quite surprised, by, pardon me, by the feedback that he was given. And it'll be interesting to see how that pans out over the coming weeks. But as a player, Pierre and simple, will take all the politics out of it and his contract status and all the rest of it. I hope he has a really good season. He's he's struggled uh, to come back from his ACL. He had a lot of hand issues last year. Um, and I just would like him to have a good solid 22 games because if he does, that'll go a long way towards us having a really good season. And what happens after that happens after that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we'll get a little bit of an idea of what the season's going to be like uh, in the next two games. The one to get to 3 might be... I mean, 3 is a better side than the West Coast, um, but it's not going to be as strict rules in terms of playing out 25-minute quarters, uh, three-minute quarters plus time-on type situation like the second one will be. Um, and, you know, will be players coming and going backwards and forwards all the time. So... Uh, But I think that we'll get some idea out of it in the sense that um Prio I think, are going to be up in the top four this year, Fee. I think they're going to be a very, very good side. That's a big call, Mac. Big call, Mac. Yeah. Top four. A side that's just been developing very nicely indeed, in my opinion. Agreed. Maybe a
0: year uh, too early for mine. But anyway, go on.
1: Yeah, look, it could be, but, uh, you know, if... Unless you know, unless they have uh, injuries, I just think that they can actually do it this year to get in the top four. Um, yep. West, West Coast, I think that's going still going to be a bottom four side, but I do think though that, but um, somehow or other, it was all exaggerated last year. I can't believe that they were as bad as they were. They were unfit, and then that's actually been stated that the, that they the players were unfit. And how can you be unfit when you start a year, things?
0: Well, because they got absolutely flogged by the COVID lockdown rules, don't you remember? Oh. They got absolutely stuffed around by the whole lockdown situation. They had they had so many things going on at that club they could barely get a bloody twenty two on the ground. Oh the yes, yeah, yes,
1: yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's probably I think you just sort of got to forget that in the sense that um, I don't believe they're as bad as that.
0: No, I don't think they are either, although I do think that their midfield is ageing a little bit. Um, but, uh, like you know, it's like if you've got a squad that basically misses a pre-season, which a lot of that squad did, there's no mm-hmm. coming back from that. There's absolutely no coming back from that. They may as well have forfeited and gone on a holiday. There's absolutely no way they were going to be competitive last year. Right. So, you know, given they've had a a normal pre-season this year, you'd expect them to be, you know, sort of middle of the table, I would have thought, West Coast. So both of them are going to be good tests for a young squad. But this is the season, and the players have said this, Maka, this is the season that we need to start winning these games. And I'm not talking so much about the pre-season games, but winning games against these teams that are around us on the ladder. So a West Coast certainly is a team that we should be aiming to beat if we want to go up up the ladder and free freeo you know will be a really stern test
1: I agree with you Dean and look, this is a year where we do have to in my opinion we must we must improve. we won eight game we won eight games last year, we have to be in that ten to twelve game bracket at worst. that's what i think and if we look, if we finish winning only eight or nine games, then I think that we we've stalled
0: anything less than double figures Maka in my opinion is a fail and um, will put a lot of pressure on Matthew Nixon. someone earlier I think it might have been Arab uh, in the chat earlier was asking about Nix and that's kind of why I asked you um, earlier about whether you saw anything different in the game plan um, we've spoken about Nix and I don't want to go on too, too much about it this time because we spent quite a bit of time on it last weekend but we all know that um, this is the season for for Matthew. Uh, not only in terms of results, but also in terms of can he come up with something that is going to move us forward in the same way that um, Longmuir has done at Fremantle.
1: Yeah, well, I think Nick's has got a very preconceived idea of what he wants the players to be, and they, and they haven't quite been it. Um. Whether he's right, whether he's wrong, uh, I don't know. Um, it might be that the squad that he's got can't do what it, what he wants them to do. Uh, what what his theory is of what how the game should be played for us to be successful. Um, but uh, I'd say he that he is under pressure this year. P. I mean, we do have to, as you say, get ten or more wins. Otherwise, I think he's under pressure.
0: Well, I, no, I would, I, as I said, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we went on about it a fair bit last week. Um, and I will be putting something up on YouTube during the week on this very topic. Um, it's an interesting question, Maka. When you actually look into it, as I've spent a bit of time looking into it over the last few days, and you look at the records of the coaches that have won premierships in the last 20 years or so, and you look at and you and you look at the profile of their squad and the and the age profile of their squad over the course of their tenure. Um, you you start to realise that it's less about the coach and more about the squad. So I think, really, most coaches these days, to some degree, uh, are victims of um list management or just being involved with the team at the wrong time in the cycle but there are some coaches uh, Alastair Clarkson John Longmire Chris Scott Damien Hardwick who have weathered that and have shown that when they when they have a squad at their disposal they can make the most of their opportunities and they can win grand finals
1: well and Ooh. you're right about the fact that the coach, to some degree, is at the mercy of what he's been given by the bloody selectors of the um, drafting and trading, you know, the mismanagement people, and mm. he, there's no doubt about it, he is at their mercy to some degree. He can he can want and he can ask, and I mean, for example, just burning up a pick six on Fisher, for example, that could have been a top mid that he could have had, for example.
0: Yep and and that's a that's that's not insignificant because not only did we not get a top key defender we didn't get a top anyone right so and that pick would be in their third season now yeah you know, a third a third season mid like a harry Schomfeld just coming into their own or you know someone of sam berry just coming into their own um you know it's so it has a big impact list management has a massive impact um but there but a list manager will get you to uh, get you in a position where you can maximize results but i still think a good coach based on based on the numbers that i've been looking at it still takes a good coach to be able to grasp those opportunities you look at a bloke like malcolm blight right his winning percentage was 55.5% over the course of his career with North Melbourne, Geelong and Adelaide. But... Uh, and his uh, grand final winning percentage was only 40%. You know, five grand finals for two wins. Then you look at someone like Al Clarkson, whose winning percentage was 58 or just under 59%. But his... Uh, you know, four, four flags out of five grand finals. So... Who, who would you say is a better coach?
1: Well, you'd say on stats, you'd say Clarkson. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, who knows? If Blighty had had the same teams, he would have done just as good.
0: You know, John Longmire has a 63% win ratio and yet has only a 25% win ratio in grand finals. Now, would you prefer him with a 63% win ratio... Over someone like a Mark Thompson, who had a 62 percent win ratio, but won 66 or 67 percent, two thirds of of the grand finals he appeared in. Which
1: one would you rather? Well, at the end of the day, you always take the flag, fan.
0: Well, and that's the thing, and I think that's the question that that we need to find out about Matthew Nix. Is Matthew Nix just going to be a uh, a, a you know a, a victim? Not a victim, but. Are his results going to reflect our list management or is he going to be able to take the team to the next level like a Chris Scott, like a Damien Hardwick, like a Mark Thompson, you know, uh, like an Al Clarkson? Um, You know, you look at a bloke like Ross Lyon who's been in four grand finals, hasn't won one, and you could safely say that Ross Lyon has developed some very good teams, but does he have the ability to coach a team to a flag? And if he doesn't,
1: what's the point? Well, at the end of the day, there's only one prize, to me, and that's the flag.
0: Well, that's it, and that's what we've got to find out about Matthew Nix, I guess. Um, and we won't find that out this year. What we will find out about Matthew Nix this year is whether he will fall victim to ultimately poor list selection because if he fails this year, it'll be on the back of two things. A conservative game plan, which I think will be brought about by a lack of confidence in the squad, Maca.
1: That's one of the factors, but and the list management factor is very high because of you know we talked about McCarthy, but we've also the wasting of the two draft picks on Chase Jones and McHenry I mean that's three critical appointments there you put in three a graders in terms of those three three players and you're talking about a different looking side
0: but that, that's what I'm saying by extension the coach won't have confidence in the squad it's brought about by list management that the coach gets a squad and the squad is delivered by the list management team uh, of which the coach is one member of but there are other members of that uh, committee as well and the coach has to do the best he can with that group and if the coach in his heart of hearts hasn't got confidence in that squad that he's uh, going to play conservative and I think we're going to find a lot out about Matthew Nix this year in terms about how much he's prepared to release the shackles because if he doesn't and if we keep seeing things like playing Geordie at, at quarterback all year, then to me, that that says to me that ultimately Matthew Nix does not have 100% faith in his squad.
1: Uh, well, maybe he doesn't play.
0: Well, I'm not saying yes or no. I'm saying that that would be an indicator to me. If he's not prepared to let him run and play aggressive football and take the game to the opposition, there's a reason for that. And I don't think it's philosophy because GWS didn't play like that.
1: You know, Matthew um, Nix, the, the teams that Matthew
0: no, Nix played in didn't play like that.
1: Sydney, he? he played Sydney.
0: Yeah, yeah, but he coached at GWS. Like, at Sydney, they didn't play like that. At GWS, when he was assistant coach there, they didn't play like that. No,
1: he's always said that he... That the... What he's trying to copy more is the Sydney the Sydney model of playing.
0: The Sydney model wasn't a defensive mod, model; it was a hard, hard model because they needed to be hard because it was a small ground that they were playing on, very enclosed, lots of congestion, and all the rest of it. But it wasn't a defensive model that they played; it was an aggressive model that they played.
1: Yep, yep, always has been.
0: So, and this is this is what I'm saying. If, if Nick's coaches a conservative game plan. It, that's not a that's not a philosophical thing. That's not Matthew's philosophy, I don't think. That's an indicator of, of the amount of faith that he has in the squad.
1: Well, time will tell, Dean um, we'll, we'll know a little bit more after the trial matches, but then when the games start, we'll find out. And uh, it'll be, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's the fourth year, and they had you certainly don't expect a premiership and that would be stupid to expect that, but, you know, after four years, you do expect improvement. You do expect improvement. And so it has got to be improvement. And as we've said, 10 is the cut-off point, but you're hoping for more than that.
0: I'm optimistic that we can sneak into the bottom half of the eight. Um, You know, it'll depend on... You know, it's consistency, I think, and our ability to beat some of the uh, big top teams. But as we discussed last week, Macca, our Achilles heel wasn't the top teams, by and large, over the last couple of seasons. It's actually been games that we're more expected to win. So, you know, if we can put our best foot forward against teams around us on the ladder or below us on the ladder then we might, we'll probably jag one or two wins against top eight sides because we seem to have the ability to do that.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And generally speaking, those games that we did win against higher teams, it was because we played a much more free-flowing, almost at times, kamikaze game of football.
1: Um, just can I just uh, throw one a real loop at you? It's totally nothing to do with the Hmm. What did you think... Gentlemen, do you think that he got her off very, very light?
0: Um, well, I was going to flick on to other stuff, so uh, thanks for that. Cause it's a good segue. Uh, gentlemen, um, all I'll say is if that was Tex Walker, what do you reckon would have happened?
1: Eight matches, six matches, something like that.
0: Hard labour,
1: I would have thought. Maybe death. Done
0: time in bloody poor period I reckon.
1: Yeah. I there, can't believe
0: it. There are two blokes that have been kissed on the backside by a fairy, and one is Ginneman, and the, the other one is um, the lad from North Melbourne. Um,
1: Taryn Thomas.
0: Taryn Thomas. Like, compared to the furor and the uproar that has happened every time an Adelaide Crow has blown his nose without a tissue or forgotten to wear a mask in public... I can't believe the lack of, the lack of saber rattling around those two circumstances.
1: I know it's incredible, and I think the AFL is just as guilty as the media of attacking Adelaide.
0: It it, it it's almost too difficult to ignore now, Macker. It is almost too difficult to ignore. The protective nature of the Melbourne media towards Victorian players and their ferocious attack on anything that happens outside of the border, particularly in South Australia and particularly with the Adelaide Crows.
1: Yep. And that it, and why they why they pick on Adelaide, of course, is because Adelaide's got their own media department.
0: Well, I think that's some of it, but I don't think it's all of it. You know, imagine going through your life having such an inferiority complex that you had to continue to snipe and attack um, another city um, just to just to um, prove to yourself your own superiority. That's what that's what happens in Victoria. Victorians have the biggest inferiority complex. If it's not South Australia, they're whinging about it's New South Wales. They're whinging about. They've got a you know, they're the best at this and they're the greatest at that and they're the sporting hub of the universe and they're the cultural capital of the world and they're the world's greatest living city and all that sort of bullshit. It's a stinky hellhole, right? It's a it's a mess of a place and the people that live in Melbourne know it deep down and so all they have to do continually to boost themselves up is to rag on other states.
1: Yep. But, you know... Um... P.J. Crowe says that the AFL is a corrupt corporation, accept it. And and look, he is right because of the fact that they are prepared to to differentiate in the way they treat players as well. I mean, we know what the Victorian media is like, vicious towards Adelaide, vicious. But the AFL, they they actually give the Victorian teams uh, half a quarter, a tenth of the penalty that an Adelaide team would get.
0: Well, you only need to read the book that what's his face? What was his name? Oh, that Boys Club book um, that was put out. PJ, I know the author's name. I've forgotten it. Um, to understand, to understand how things work in the AFL and in Victoria in general. Mick Warner, thank you, PJ. I would say everyone, everyone should read that book um it's not sensationalized it deals with some old stuff um but it also deals with um things uh you know to do with Andrew Demetrio and and uh, subsequently Gil McLaughlin I, I would if you really want to understand how the AFL worked Mac, just read the book
1: yeah well yeah you know in, in you mentioned Demetrio um that business uh the, I remember the was a bloody player now the, that we uh, lost uh, two years of draft pick for him because it was a little side contract and we'd take a second round draft pick for him when we'd clear him. Tip it. Tip it. Price. it. if that had been a Victorian Victorian title, no way would they lost two years of like first and second round draft pick. We
0: got punished more heavily than Essendon did, Mac.
1: Unbelievable.
0: In terms of sanctions, we got punished heavier than Essendon did for drug sanctions, uh, for drug transgress- transgressions. You know, the only no. team, the only team that has been hit harder than us has been Carlton, and I can tell you why. It Carlton got hit so bad because they all hated Jack Elliott. Yeah, but if even was,
1: then, we got the same. We got the same
0: penalties, Carlton. No, 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 they got worse than us. They got worse than us. They got massive fines as well. They they were, they they got decimated Carlton, um, but it was because of John Elliott. John Elliott was at war with the AFL, and they didn't like him. And they, um, Mike Fitzpatrick, I think, was one from memory, and they smashed him. But look, we don't have to go into the politics of it all. I, I just I would say anyone that really wants to understand how the AFL operates. Um, and understand the capacity for the AFL to manipulate situations and um, how the AFL is so outcome-focused, just read Mike Warner's book. Right, We are seeing it play out in terms of the uh, Hawthorne situation. We've seen it play out in the past. And now we're seeing it play out with gentlemen. And yet, if the Adelaide Crows got on a camp and, and do some wrong stuff sure, which was no good, we're still talking about it six years bloody later.
1: It'll be spoken about forever, Fien.
0: You know, the infamous camp. They stuffed up. There's been other infamous camps that never get spoken about. What about Melbourne's camp that the Melbourne players um, revolted against Simon Goodwood and said, we're
1: not doing this?
0: No one, no one says a word about that.
1: No. no. So, so here we got two t- uh, gentlemen... In a bloody toilet, snorting away, and uh, somebody films him. It's was, it was a rather strange situation. The uh, Channel Seven he, he runs around selling it to the highest bidder. Channel Seven get it, and they talk to the AFL, they talk uh, to Collingwood, and at the very moment that Channel Seven starts interviewing gentlemen. AFL and Collingwood release a statement at precisely exactly the same time thing. Yeah. Coincidence. <laughs> no, not coincidence. It's a, co-
0: a complete and utter coincidence, Mackey. You know that surely.
1: Yeah. It would have been <laughs> Adelaide Pad that would come out in different stages, splashing and building and so on. But we've got this choreographed thing that, oh, yeah. that he then he, then he repents and repents on TV and it's all over,
0: yeah. And look, the gentleman's biggest crime was that he got caught. Because let's not be naive enough to think that cocaine use, in particular, in the AFL circles, circles isn't rampant. The old nose is. If if we thought that, we would just be naive. True. So no, it's, just it's...
1: just
0: got caught.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. But I'm just thinking that if it's a South Australian boy, you wait and see what happens.
0: Yeah. I noticed also with the Hawthorne investigators that um, Egan, the guy that came up with the uh, the initial review that was leaked to uh, the ABC, is uh, now up on fraud charges. Um, he was arrested last week, I think, on fraud charges uh, to do with the... Uh, the community association that he was involved with at the time, so uh, that's a nice little distraction away and a little ding in the credibility of that report too, isn't
1: it? He was was defrauding money, wasn't he? I think so. Um, Well,
0: allegedly.
1: Allegedly, yeah. And and that whole situation too is um, an absolute joke because when was that first reported thing? September?
0: What, the Hawthorne thing?
1: Yeah, September?
0: Yeah, it was during finals, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and it was supposed to be. Uh, with the, with, they were going to investigate it within two weeks, they said.
0: Yep. Yeah. You, you and, know uh, as yeah. well as I do what happens when uh, you drag things out. They, it loses all its momentum.
1: Yeah, well, it, and to the point now where the people who were going to test it, who made the claims in the first place, so they're not going to testify. Yep. So what's going to happen? It's, a, it's going to fade away into the merry distance. Yeah.
0: And, you know, maybe it was the storm in the teacup too, Mac. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know whether that was overblown. Um, the simple fact that Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan were allowed to go back and, and uh, go back to work uh, told us every, everything you needed to know about how seriously the AFL were taking that. And, but we'll never know. And it's a shame because if the allegations uh, are true, then they were horrific. Um, but we'll never know whether they were the result of, um, you know, uh, you know some partners that were disenfranchised, like um, Rioli's partner and I um, forget the other lad's name. Uh, you know, partners were disenfranchised and, and were disenfranchised you know exaggerating things or whether they misheard things or whatever we'll never know Macca because the whole thing's just been just been blown away
1: I don't think there ever will be a resolution
0: thing no I don't think so I don't think so the wind's gone out of those sails so you know I mean there's a lot of that stuff that goes on Mac like I said read read that book it'll tell you everything you need to know about the match I mean let's have a look at Andrew Demetrio um you know, uh, for whatever reason, macker when he applied to be on the uh, Crown Casino board, uh, he was uh, denied access to that board because he failed to meet the fit and proper person test. So that's a person who used to run the AFL. Make of that what you will. I'm not making any allegations, far be it, because Andrew doesn't mind a bit of a lawsuit. But there's the facts. He used to run the AFL, and he wasn't allowed to be on the board of the Crown. So, I don't know. You do the math. Mm. Uh, I say nothing well and he was in charge of the AFL for a long period of time brokered a lot of deals manipulated a lot of outcomes and to his credit some good some bad I mean without Demetrio we wouldn't be playing at Adelaide Oval most likely but the manner in which that occurred was certainly not above board in many
1: respects
0: you know and uh, there's a lot of other things that occurred during his time at the AFL that make you wonder
1: no doubt about
0: that. So, anyway, I don't know how we got onto this subject, but uh, yeah, gentlemen, uh, probably got a uh, got off pretty lightly, I think.
1: I think so.
0: Yep. Um, look, that's just about it, Mac. Unless you've uh, thought about something else that you want to talk about, no one seems to want to talk in the chat. Uh, we've sort of drifted away from uh, Crow's chat, and we're uh, we've hit our. Um, our, uh, one hour 37 minutes, so uh, we're, we're bang on our normal 90, 90 minutes. So, uh, what do you reckon, mate? Got anything else you want to add
1: before we bugger no, off? No, I think that's about as good a place to finish as any. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week.
0: Yeah, be a little bit more to talk about next week. Don't forget, uh, you can catch us on socials at Twitter and on Facebook and on uh, YouTube. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't yet, please like and subscribe us. It does help us. Uh, we're trying to push up our subs so that uh, we can do a bit more stuff on the YouTube side of things. Uh, don't forget all our comps on Discord, we'll have more to say about that next week obviously In the meantime, thanks to everyone who joined us tonight and thanks to everyone who listens to us on demand maka thanks for your time again Pleasure And uh, Mrs Macker, I hope you get better soon uh, In the meantime, stay safe everyone and we will see you next
1: week Yep, ciao for now